Hey Coleraine, my name is Hannah McKegg, and you're listening to Hey Coleraine. Each week, I sit down with a township official or community member, and we talk about who they are and what they do to help the township function. This week, I'm talking to Dan Unger, the president of the Board of Trustees. I hope you enjoy. I'm Dan Unger. I'm a Coleraine Township trustee. I was elected in November of 2017, and I'm two and a half years into a four-year term, and I really enjoy it. I've lived here in Coleraine Township all my life. I'm the third of seven brothers and sisters in our family. We all grew up on Gaines Road, which is about a mile west of here, and attended schools locally, and I've just really enjoyed living here. All my friends and family are here. I've known families that I've known generations of them, the great-grandparents, the grandparents, and the, the kids that are my age, which is getting a little bit older, and I have I know their children, and I've been to their weddings and funerals, and I just know a lot of people in this community, and it's where I'm going to stay. I really yeah. enjoy it here. What was your journey leading up to running for Board of Trustees? Well, I've always enjoyed politics, and for me it began at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Um, Watching my parents and and following presidential races, and I actually have a picture of our family on the steps of the United States Capitol in 1968. Oh, wow. Um, That's a big year for the presidents, Well, that that was, um, Lyndon Johnson was the president at the time, and I believe our local congressman was either Don Clancy or Willis Gratison, mm-hmm. but somehow we got into the White House and and Lyndon Johnson was in the next room and, and we couldn't he couldn't let us in to meet him. But I've yeah. always had an interest in in politics and civics and and I've always uh, tried to follow what was going on, not just nationally but locally also. Mm-hmm. I remember meeting Gene Ruhlman, the Cincinnati mayor, when I was a little kid. He was the last Republican to be a mayor in Cincinnati and and. Um, I've always found civics and local government to be very interesting. That's awesome. I, I definitely share that passion, especially local government. What do you think really appealed to you about running for local government? Well, it, I think it gives you a chance to, to really have an impact directly on, on people's lives as opposed to being one or two steps removed, you know, if you're in the state house or at the federal level. Um, my um, local political career started out in 1993 when a friend of mine was running for a seat on the Northwest Local School District Board of Education. He asked me for a little help. I offered it to him. Uh, His name was Dan Mecklenburg. He Mm -hmm. won office that year in that election, but somehow he interpreted that as the fact that I was interested in running for office, which I really wasn't at the time. But um, he was on the board, sort of as a minority on the board philosophically, and two years later in 1995, uh, Dan encouraged me to run for school board, and while I did not win, I came in third out of six, mm-hmm. which wasn't too bad for a first time out. I, I, I ran again in the election two years later in 97 and did not win then either and resigned myself to the fact that, well, the voters have spoken twice and told me they don't want me on the school board. So I spent the next 10 years serving in the school district in various capacities as a volunteer on a particular committee or mm-hmm. whatever was going on. And by 2007, I, I gave it another shot. And um, when I ran in the 2007 election, I came in first out of six. Wow, which third was very time's exciting. the charm. Third, yeah. time, third time 12 years later is always the charm. That's but um, but it's, um, it's very rewarding, and especially being a school board member, because while you're a couple steps removed away from the kids, 
the ones that would eventually come to you looking for help, it, you really had a chance to make an impact in their lives. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a very fun thing. I ran for re-election in 2011, and I, there were six different names on the ballot at that time, mm -hmm. and I came in first out of those six also. And wow. so I served on the school board for eight years. The, the last two years of my service, I was president of the Board of Education, and, and um, it was just a really cool thing to do, and you really get to help out a lot of kids. Absolutely amazing here. I'm super passionate about education. My mom was a teacher, a middle school teacher, so I have nothing but respect for teachers and what they go through. What was some of the philosophies that, you, that led your school board term? Well, at, at the time, and, and from 97 through 2007, the district experienced a lot of different uh, financial challenges, mm -hmm. and I thought I would have something to add to bring my lifetime in private industry into local public school board, which sometimes you'll clash heads a little bit. But, but as it turned out, uh, some of my ideas were adopted and, and some weren't. And uh, it was enough that the public had enough confidence in me to elect me in 2007. Mm -hmm. And by the time my eight years was completed, we had put a bond issue on the ballot. We had let a higher millage tax levy that was passed in 2010 we let it sunset by the end of 2015 mm -hmm. we passed a levy combination bond issue that was a, a little bit less millage so for the first time since 1979 the actual real dollar property tax millage went down and we were able to pass a bond issue and build the three new school buildings that were mm -hmm. completed oh. a couple years ago are so, you a graduate of northwest no or? no i'm mm -hmm. not i went to uh to st james school on cheviot road okay. in white oak and then LaSalle High School, and I graduated from LaSalle High School in 1980. Awesome. I, I remember playing many games in St. James, Wide Oak. I went to St. Michael's. Out uh, in Sharonville? Yeah. Yes. A rival parish. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, a lot of friends, though, went to St. James. You know, and what's, what's kind of unique about the west side of Cincinnati specifically is about one in three school-aged children attends a parochial school. Really? And, and two out of three attend the public schools and I, I felt like it was really important to, to make sure that, that the public school parents and the private school parents knew that we, we had one mission and that was mm -hmm. to try to get have the kids turn out better than we did and, and, and you know provide a decent education and um, I think a lot of the squabbling was between the adults the kids didn't see so much difference as the adults did yeah. but, but I, I was very satisfied that by the end of my term and, and it took a lot of support from the parochial parents to get that bond issue passed. Mm -hmm. And and I was satisfied by the end of my term that I had, had accomplished that. And I, I mentioned that it was an actual, actually a little bit lower millage. Uh, on a personal level, my school portion or my school component of my property taxes went down $6, which is not wow. much, but it is the very first time it had ever gone in the opposite direction. So mm -hmm. I, was, I was pretty satisfied with that. Um, one of the most humbling things I've done in my life happened while I was on the, the school board, and that is when you are president of the board, uh, you, you get the distinct honor of having your name on the diplomas. And in ah. fact, as board president, you get to hand them out at graduation. And, and to see the look on, on some of the kids' faces is, is um, it's, it's humbling to, to be in the position to do that and hand out those diplomas. And I'm uh, very proud of all of our students. That's incredible. Uh, just to transition more into the Board of Trustees, what all does being on the Board of Trustees entail? What's a day in the life of the job? 
If, that, if you can put a, that into words, well, that's a big question. If I can question. put it into words, I, um, in, in, my, in my life in, in private industry, I'm, I'm in sales and, and public mm -hmm. relations and, and communicating with, with the public. And, and I'm the one of the trustees that actually has his personal cell phone number on the, on the township website, 404-3057. <laughs> and I do get a lot of calls from people that don't really have any experience dealing with government and they get frustrated and I, I'm always hopeful that they'll you know contact our zoning department or our public works first but if they don't get satisfaction and they I'm, I'm happy to take your call and yeah and so I enjoy talking to the public I, I think I'm a natural at it and uh, it's just a lot of fun meeting people and and being able to help them out sometimes with with little simple things and, and sometimes with bigger things yeah, I think one of the things I've noticed a lot about Coleraine is there's so many people that I've come in contact who are just so willing to help out. Well, and, I, and I will tell you that um, if you look around, especially with the things that are going on in society right now, don't lose sight of the fact that 99.99% .99 of people are good-hearted and would do anything for their neighbor. Uh, there's a, a very small but loud group out there that, that's always trying to stir it up a little bit most people are very good and they love their community and and uh, really enjoy their neighbors and and some of the folks that don't that i've gotten to know a little bit i i would have to say as i've gotten to know them a little more personally uh, sometimes they have other things going on in their life that they bring mm -hmm. to the trustees or they or they bring to the public or they expand on in, in social media and and sometimes to me it's just a sign that they're missing something else in their life and, and with with some of them i think that the trustees are the only family they have because mm -hmm. you know sometimes they've either disappointed those around them or, or run them off or or something and and I, I i try to make myself open and available to everybody yeah you know, and and i i truly enjoy it so that that sounds amazing what are some of the things that the trustees do for the township? The job of a trustee started out as, in, in the state of Ohio, was at the time of the founding of the state, was just to make sure that there was a system of roads constructed. Mm -hmm. And our, our very basic responsibility is to maintain a, a system of roads. Wow. And, and maintain cemeteries. Sometimes a, a church congregation will come in, and this is more historical than current, and would have a cemetery with their church and the church might have went away a hundred years ago and all of a sudden there's a small cemetery left behind mm -hmm. and it's the township's responsibility to maintain our historical cemeteries and to maintain a system of roads um, that has grown over the years to include you know safety services such as our police department and, mm -hmm. and fire department and and frankly i'm glad that here in Coleraine township we have our own police and our own fire and and we maintain administrative control over that and that way we can deploy our local resources where they think they're most useful mm -hmm. i i love the collaboration with all the surrounding departments and i think we do a great job with it but but frankly we can provide the best police and fire services in Coleraine township by having our own police chief and our own fire chief mm -hmm. and deploying resources where we think they're they're most needed and best utilized yeah and that's pr very true especially if you have some amazing people leading the police i know chief denny i've talked to him several times and he's absolutely amazing to work with and it's it's very challenging times for the for the police and, and fire but 
but to, to any of those that are listening to the podcast, I can, I can tell you this. As I said earlier, 99.99% of the people love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And yes, there are problems in, in different agencies, but I've, I've talked to Chief, and I think the statistic he gave me was we had about 40,000 interactions with the public oh, wow. last year. And out of those 40,000, I want to say he told me there were 13 complaints. Seven of them were internally generated, and six out of 40,000 were from outsiders. And those may have been folks that got arrested that didn't think they should mm-hmm. be arrested. But uh, I think we do a fabulous job here in Colerain Township. And, and for those six or 13 whichever number complaints about the police department i've never heard a complaint about our fire department and our ambulance and emergency services and our um, outgoing fire chief frank cook he's a humble man who who leads a great department and um, he will be uh, leaving us at the end of august i think his retirement day is one of the first days in september and uh, hopefully we'll have a a seamless transition and and keep our Mm -hmm our excellent rating we have for our fire department here as well. What is one of the, your favorite parts of this role? I would have to say what, what I said earlier, it's, it's talking to citizens that, mm-hmm. that call me up. I, had a, I have a call I haven't returned yet that I received about an hour ago from a, a gentleman who has a question about the mandate to wear a mask for the, uh, for the COVID panic or COVID epidemic or however people see it. So. And I'll, and I'll call him back. I, I wanted to get up here and get started on the podcast <laughs> with you, though. So, I think that is something really amazing about public service is that you get to take these ideas and integrate them into something that can really last, too. And, and you know, one of the, one of the um, accomplishments here of the, of the 2018 and 2019 Board of Trustees and of the, the 2020 Board is, is I always looked at the township sort of what's been described as the broken window theory yes we Mm -hmm. have some property owners that that um, don't let their don't keep their property up as they should and and we've taken a kind gentle approach to our zoning and our code enforcement and you know if if you let your grass get a foot tall we will send a code enforcement officer out there and and give you a week to 10 days to get it cut depending on when the citation falls relative to the next meeting Mm -hmm. um you know a rising tide lifts all boats if you can get one or two neighbors to clean up their yards the rest of them tend to get behind that and and you end up with a lot nicer neighborhoods and you avoid a lot of of other problems when i first started down that road we had i rode around with a a local citizen and she pointed out to me a number of properties that, that we had fallen behind on and and um and some cars that had been sitting out in the street with expired plates and those type of things and I worked with our chief and our our uh, new zoning director at the time and, and just instantly in a month or two got a great head start and got a lot of things cleaned up and um, that with yeah. the help of a lot of local citizens who are who share my passion and interest for it I think mm-hmm. we've really made a difference in the last two and a half years here in the township. Yeah do you have any other programs or initiatives that you want to highlight that maybe you're particularly proud of? Well, there, there are some uh, local community groups, as I stated, that, that we've worked with. There's, there's one yeah. in the Northbrook community, and there's a up-and-coming one in the Grossbeck community. Mm-hmm. And um, generally, citizens are more than happy to step up. And so I guess the program that I would be proud of is the fact that we give people an opportunity to participate. Yeah, I um, think that's a, a great answer. Just, I mean, it's their government, and you're here to listen and to 
integrate what they want, but that's amazing. Sure. And, and you know, and from a um, a business relation point of view, I've I've um, talked to a lot of business owners, and, and frankly, I'm I'm glad that we're a small operation as compared to a city or another municipality. We have seven or eight people in the administrative office, mm-hmm. depending on what time of year it is, and. And I've always wanted to know what I could do to get government out of the way so that your business could flourish. Yeah. With the uh, with the state mandated business shutdowns, so one of our responses at a recent trustee meeting was directed to our, our zoning administrator. What zoning restrictions can we lift so some of these businesses can get the word out that they're open now and and mm-hmm. they, they want customers to come in and and we suspended nine or ten regulations for the ongoing period of our. Of oh, our really? so-called ad- ad- emergency. Yeah, so if somebody wanted to put a sign out a little closer to the street to say, hey, we're open, please come in, you can do mm-hmm. that. Um, I know several uh, people that just wanted to put up an outdoor dining tent so they could increase the capacity of their restaurant with the limitations on, on who could come in, so we waived the permit fees for that. Just And and frankly, there's been a lot of businesses that have struggled when the, yeah. when the state orders these shutdowns, and you know, here at the at the township trustee level and in our zoning and our administration we will do anything we can to get out of your way so you can run your business and and hopefully survive this uh the economic distress that's been caused by all this yeah especially in times like these it's it's time to make adaptations that maybe we didn't foresee five years ago it's crazy well well, sure it, it it sure has been interesting and um you know, I'm not going to say my mother's age, but she's been around a long time, and she has assured me that she has never seen anything like this, and and I haven't either. I think that there is a, a medical component to it. I am not a doctor by any stretch, but mm-hmm. there's also an economic component to it and a political component to it, and um, economically, it has been devastating, and and I think we need to strike a little bit more of a balance with the medical component and the economic component. Um, you know, starting out of the gate in March or April, we, we were given a lot of information that has turned out to be very incorrect. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, everything from the number of projected deaths to the to the um, hospitalization rate. And I, I know that we had, um, I've got a neighbor, I've got a niece, I've got a, a friend who's a physical therapist. I have a, I know a lot of people because I'm pretty outgoing. I know a lot of people in the, in the medical field that were laid off for weeks because instead of a crush at the hospitals, the hospitals were empty. Mm-hmm. And and um, so, you know, the big medical rush and the filling of the hospitals didn't come to pass. And, and I remember the mayor of Cincinnati was down in front of the convention center uh, lamenting the fact that they were preparing to put 800 or 840 beds in there. Mm-hmm. And that never came to pass either. So, you know, in my role as a township trustee, I have to seek out what's the good information and what's the information that, that that's mm-hmm. not good, and and sort of make decisions on that. But you know, here in the township, we we are um, a member of the Hamilton County Board of Health, and we allow the County Board of Health to make those decisions. We yeah. pay them annually to to run our health department. Uh, there are some local municipalities such as Norwood and Springdale that have their own health department. Mm-hmm. But if you're not Norwood or Springdale, you're likely either tied in with the Hamilton County Board of Health or if you're the city of Cincinnati, they have their own health department. So This is certainly, I think, uncharted territory for everyone. 
I think the one thing that's certain is we don't know what's going to come tomorrow with this. And right, and, and while I said I, I don't know a lot about the medical component of it, I do know quite a bit about the economic component, and we have got to get out there and support our not just our businesses, but people that have families and mm -hmm. jobs and mortgages, and we need to do what we can to get government out of the way and let people go to work, And because yeah. without the economic component, you know, if, if people can't afford to pay their house or their rent or their, their exactly. or buy groceries, we've got a much bigger problem. So, mm -hmm. so what is your typical decision making process? I know you touched on a lot about how your business background is really affected. Is there anything that else that goes into your brain when you're making these decisions? Well, I, I certainly do reach out and talk to. It, as I've gone through life, I realize that everybody has something that they know. Mm -hmm. And my leadership style has been to go out and find somebody who knows more about something than I do and consult with them yeah. and, and see what they can know. I've, I've watched a lot of different folks in politics, and those that, that think they know more than they do tend to screw up a little bit more. I, um, I'll be the first one to admit I don't know everything. And there, there, there are topics I know nothing about, and there are topics I know a lot about. Uh, the ones that I don't know much about, I will go out and find the right person to give me guidance. And yeah. and like I said, I do get a lot of phone calls from citizens, and I've I've learned a lot there. And and um, so to answer your question, I you know try to reach out to others yeah. to see what to see what information I can get. And just listening and trying to synthesize the And look at a historical context also, mm -hmm. and, and see what happens when you make certain moves and, and you know, try to avoid uh, repeat mistakes. So. Yeah. I know Colerain has a, a rich historical background. I'm excited. We hopefully will be talking to the Historical Society soon. And I'm excited. Oh, and we have a fine historical society. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a, as a little kid growing up on Gaines Road, I remember my parents taking me up to what was the corner of, of Coleraine Avenue and Springdale Road and watching the construction of Northgate Mall. Mm -hmm. Well, the malls kind of <laughs> lived out its lifespan, and you know, brick and mortar retail and closed malls aren't what they used to be. Um, when I bought my first house when I was 24 years old, I lived across the street from a, a generational Coleraine resident named Ed Weigel. His sister Ann Weigel is the one that the elementary school on Banning Row was named after. Mm -hmm. But Ed was born on Blue Rock Road in 1904, and he lived in the house he was born in his whole life until he passed in 1992. And I learned wow. so much from him. That's amazing. Um, just everything that went on in Coleraine, he told me they did not have electric on Blue Rock Road until he was 38 <laughs> years old. And uh, so I, I got to live right next to a lot of that history. And mm -hmm. um, it's just been fascinating to be here. Be so. part of that. It's it's an old township. I think we just had our 225th the birthday, yeah, an anniversary um, over the past year, and and um, it's been around a while, and it'll mm -hmm. be around. We're just passing through. It'll be around long after we're gone. It's a, a great place to live. Yeah, for another 225 more years. Yes. Yeah. Since it has such a rich history, how do you honor the past but still try to move the township forward? Well, what's interesting about Coleraine is, is we have some more, we have a little bit of everything here. We have some mm -hmm. more urban area, and we, we still have a lot of rural roads mm -hmm. that still have barns and, and horses and animals, and, and we have subdivisions, and we have older subdivisions, and, and we have a, a thriving business district. Um, so there's a, there's a little bit of everything in Coleraine. Yeah. There's not 
one I think if I've learned anything driving around there's not one Colerain it's all these little pieces coming together and all these amazing people coming together that come from all different backgrounds sure and and there are there are families that have been here for generations and mm-hmm. um, out on Daleview Road I knew uh, my friend John his his grandfather Grandpa Wang if mm-hmm. you go back and look at the historical map section on our township website you will see that the Wang family owned that property during the American Civil War, wow. you know, which was in the 1860s. That's crazy and to I me. think that map on our on our website is dated 1863, but that property was in their family up until about eight years ago when the last yeah the, the last surviving uh, brother died, and and um, you know John still lives around here locally, but just not on Daleview Road anymore. Mm-hmm. And so there are families that have been here for multiple generations. That's crazy. Uh, so you, I was looking into your past, you do a lot of community service and a lot of giving back. Do you want to go into that? Maybe touch on your history with the Boy Scouts? <laughs> uh, sure. I was in, uh, when I was a very young person in seven, age seven or eight, I mm-hmm. joined the Cub Scouts and um, our church sponsored a, a troop, which is still in existence, Troop 24. So I was in Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts growing up and and I made it all the way up to the point when I got my driver's license and sort of uh, lost interest and, mm-hmm. and went and did some other things, but always stayed close to the troop and volunteered yeah. and helped out when I could. And time went by and I met my wife and we were married five years later and we had a daughter and had a son. And when our son was of age, he joined the same, the same Cub troop. Scout pack and Cub Scout troop. And, and we have a... Uh, a lot of equipment we've accumulated over a long period of time through a lot of fundraising effort and and part of that is we have a bus that we take the scouts around on and even though my son eagled out of the troop in 2015 Mm -hmm. he um i still have licensure and i'll drive the bus if they need me to and i'm i'm still a registered assistant scout master with the boy scout troop and uh uh, you can learn a lot of great lessons uh, in life through through scouting oh, yeah. and, and learn how to survive outdoors and, and a lot of things. I'm a big I'm a big camper. I'm always jealous of the Boy Scouts, uh, but I love camping. Well, now the Boy Scouts uh, just a year or two ago started I, allowing uh, girls in. So I know I missed my time. You're, I think I've aged a, out. You, you've aged out, but um, maybe they'll still take me. But I those don't know. opportunities are there, and you know, kind of in, with the change in the dynamic of a lot of families, um, mm-hmm. it's it's. It might work out better to have girls and boys in there together. I, I am a little bit concerned about teenage girls and boys in together, but yeah, rightly but, um, so. I'm but sure. the, the way it's the way it's set up right now, they, the, the, a female troop would be kept separate as a female troop. Okay, and, community service is is so important. I think giving back. And... Well, it's a lot of fun, and I really enjoy it. And you, mm-hmm. you meet some really great like-minded people. I've, uh, exactly. When I when I started out as a Cub Scout leader. Uh, the person who was organizing the, the pack at that time asked if I'd be interested in, in being a den leader. Mm-hmm. And I said, that that's fine. I'll do it. I'll take any kids you assign to my den. I just obviously want to make sure my own's in there. And they assigned me uh, five other kids. I did not know them. I did not know their parents. The very first thing I did was called their parents, told them to get a babysitter, the six of us were going the six couples were going out to get to know each other and to this day 18 19 years later i'm still really good friends with all those parents that's amazing it's just a great way to meet uh like-minded people that you know kind of have the same Same goals and aspirations for their 
for their kids. So I've done a, a lot of service work around Cincinnati and um, in other states as well. And I think you just meet the most amazing people who have the best hearts when you start giving back. Is there anything else you want to cover on the Board of Trustees side of things? Well, I just really enjoy the opportunity that the citizens have presented me. Mm -hmm. I've met some really brilliant folks that, that work for the township and, and truly enjoy yeah. civil and government service. And um, nobody here in this line of work is ever going to be a millionaire, so you better be in it for the right reasons. And and I think all, all of our people are in it for the right reasons. Yeah. I don't really know anyone that's here for the wrong reason and if, if there was they would they would surely be ferreted out and mm -hmm. um, the, would be sent on their way to the, to the right place but I, I really like the group that we've put together here in the last two and a half years. I think that reminds me I was talking to Jeff Mills the director of administration here the other day and he says you know you don't go into public service to become Instagram famous you come yeah. in because you want to have great collaborations and make a positive change, and I think that sums it up. Well, and, and one thing that, that separates you and I, Hannah, is, is our, besides our age, is um, you know, social media is something that came along in the last 10 mm -hmm. years, and I've really tended to stay off of it for a number of reasons. And, yeah. And, and one, I'm, I'm just amazed at the amount of time some folks have to literally it, it appears they're spending hours a day on, on social media and that's great and there's mm -hmm. a it's a great way to communicate i suppose yeah with, with folks but um i'm not in, interested in getting into arguments or debates on social media mm -hmm. i've always preferred speaking directly to people which is why i've made my phone number so widely available yeah and and i think that's a better way to get good ideas and work out your differences just by by talking to somebody I think it's easy to misconstrue things, too, over text. I'm a big phone caller as well. I mean, I'm a big talker. I, all of my previous teachers would say so. Well, and it adds a lot because one, one of the problems with texting or, or social media is I, you can't get the expression or, or the yeah you, you can't see the the smile or the frown or the eyes light up or the eyes look down you can't it's just, tell the emotion it's just behind words. It. there is no emotion I realize they've invented emoticons to try to <laughs> overcome that but you you, you, you can't you circumvent can't, you can't really and and I, I think there's been plenty of occasions where it's where it's led to you know some pretty fierce uncomfortable yeah. debate with with people and it, it just doesn't need to be that way and and um that's why I enjoy so much the opportunity to talk to people who come in to see us. Yeah, I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's to value face-to-face -face interaction, you know? You don't realize what you have until you're stuck in your house for three months. But. Well, and, and, and that said, I would encourage people to get out and enjoy this nice warm weather that we're having. Mm -hmm. it's, it's probably pretty safe to be outside, you know, when the, wind, when the breeze is blowing and the, the temperatures are warm and it'll be soon enough in a few months when it gets cold and damp and wet again and people will be back inside and mm -hmm. i've got the feeling that for a number of reasons that the the current state of things is at least going to run through the end of 2020 yeah. but probably not much longer than that i don't think it's temporary so uh, that's for sure do you think ohio state football is going to happen um that will we will see the i was fortunate enough to go to uh to uh, a lot of games over the last few years. Our, our, uh, our son um, participated up at Ohio State, and he mm -hmm. was in the Pride of the Buckeyes, the Ohio State University marching band. 
uh, both of our kids uh, started out in music education mm-hmm. at a young age. And uh, any kid that's ever been in band, you can usually start a conversation with them by asking, so what instrument did you play in fourth grade? And the answer <laughs> is always either saxophone or clarinet. And it's funny, and you're laughing, and maybe Yo, you had that experience yourself. Uh, I, myself, was not in band. My brother was. All of my friends in high school were. But that is exactly, I think, the first thing I probably asked all of them. And, and music education provides a lifetime skill set. I mm-hmm. I've love watching kids pursue their, their dreams and interests. And I've uh, seen kids that play football and baseball and, and soccer, and, and that's all great. Uh, a lot of times that, that'll come to an end for you by the mm-hmm. time you're out of high school or a year or two into college. And I've always advocated for music education. You can learn to play piano when you're eight, nine, 10 years old, and you can still be playing when you're 90. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the funny thing about, about band kids is, is their, their performance in school, especially up at Ohio State, 85% of the kids in that band are either mm-hmm. science or engineering majors, yeah. which means they can count, walk forwards and backwards and read the, the script of a, of a music, a musical staff. They can read the notes and interpret them and, and change those into sounds. And and that's nothing for the timid at all. Absolutely so. not. The impact that learning to play an instrument on your brain, I know there's been many studies, it's insane. It's just the way you are able to cognitively process things is completely altered by learning how to play an instrument. Sure. And, and like, like I said, a lot of those kids go on to, mm-hmm. you know, the science and engineering type careers our, our son graduated with, with a degree in computer and electrical engineering and and got out of college and, and started out with a nice job mm-hmm. and our, our daughter who, who we're very proud of was also a musical student and she was in uh, she started out with clarinet she kind of got into guard and, and color guard and yeah. performed with some very well-known local local groups and into a, a national group with drum corps international yeah i one of my best friends is a to this she teaches at a i want to say like regional color guard group and their routines are so well, impressive you'll have to find out the name of that because it's probably somebody i know oh yeah do you uh, know onyx yes yes it's, onyx is, is one of the groups in winter guard international and mm-hmm. and our daughter was in the blue coats which, okay. which turned out to be the 2016 world champions wow and, and then our son was in a, an organization called Carolina Crown, which I know Carolina had, Crown had best brass. And then, and then, you know, through a lot of hard work, uh, he made it into the Ohio State University marching band, and and ended up doing some pretty phenomenal, pretty amazing, once in hundred year things there. So, the the whole thing has just made life so much fun and interesting. And I. I'd have to say, you know, we also had a foster student in our lives, mm-hmm. um, a young man named Patrick, who came to us when he was, uh, to ask Patrick, it's, it's kind of funny, and I won't say his last name, but to ask him when he was in third grade, Patrick, where's your, where's your mom? Well, when I was in third grade, Mr. Unger, uh, she told me, I came home from school one day, and she told me she was going to California. Mm-hmm. I remember asking her, because when you're eight years old, that's how you think. Yeah. Are you coming back Tuesday or Wednesday? And as as it turned out, she never did come back. And uh-huh. Patrick uh, lived with a very generous, kind family not too far from here, and and they could only keep him so long. And one thing led to another, and he came to us as a as a freshman in high school, mm-hmm. uh, skinny little thirteen year old, head down, very sad, and um, 
and as far as the thing that kids can accomplish, he went from that to, to graduating from high school as a B student, got into the uh, University of Cincinnati nursing program. Oh, wow. And we were, we were so proud to be at his graduation in, in May of 2019 when he got his Bachelor of Science in nursing. That is uh, He incredible. went on to... Uh, to um, you know, like a lot of young people like to do, he he moved away, <laughs> so he he went to Philadelphia and got a job at the Children's Hospital there. That's one and, of the top and, Children's um, Hospital too. And he was also in in high school band too. So he um, that that's one of the more fun and rewarding things. And, and and I would advocate that anybody that's listening, if you have some room in your life to uh, mm-hmm. you know help out a foster kid, do it. The rewards mm-hmm. are just the greatest. And there's so many kids that need foster. Oh, they, they do need they do need some help. Uh, to this day, I will still call Patrick and Patrick. What are you doing? That's how our <laughs> conversation started. He goes, "Well, Mr. Hugger, I'm working." I said, "Well, you better work, or you're going to starve." And, and this is a kid who has overcome so much. Yeah. In in life, and he is just when when he he was in our house during high school, and when he went to UC, he moved in with somebody down there and mm-hmm. was able to get a few grants and things and. I would call him up and, and I would say, Patrick, how's school going? Well, it's so difficult, Mr. Unger. And I said, well, you better study or you'll starve. So we've, we've always motivated him that way and he laughs a lot. And, mm-hmm. and even though he's out of state, when, he's in, when he comes through town, he'll stop and see us and we just love him and he's just been a great kid. So. That's an amazing impact. And, and he's a, uh, I count him as one of our kids. Oh, so. yeah. To go from that to being at one of the top pediatric yes. hospitals in the country, if not sure. the top. Sure, it's right up there, and, and he's in the oncological nursing oh, wow. field. So he's uh, not just dealing with kids that are seriously ill, mm-hmm. but dealing with their families. And I, I don't know that you ever really learn how to do that. No. But he's a year and a half into it, and he's doing great at it. So we're very proud of him. Those, yeah, the amount of empathy, and wow, that is truly powerful. Yeah. It's amazing. Do you have any uh, favorite Ohio State band performances? Well, <laughs> I have I have one. This is a selfish question because I I thought about my answer for a very long time. Well, go ahead. What is your answer? Okay, first one is when they made Michael Jackson moonwalk. I that still was think great. We yeah, that needs to be there. Needs to be a whole chapter in a history book about that moment because that was unbelievable. Or the horse galloping. Uh, they've, they've they have been a leader. And, and putting on high-tech shows for, mm-hmm. for, um, for their audiences. And the Ohio State Band is, is pretty interesting because it's all the drum corps international type performances, like with Carolina mm-hmm. Crown or the Blue Coats, those are appealing to people that are, are pretty seriously into college-level band performance. The Ohio mm-hmm. State University Marching Band is unique, and they're able to reach out to a whole different audience, which is, mm-hmm. which is football fans. And, and somehow they've been able to connect football fans to, to a band performance and get them to really enjoy it. The, yeah. the band is a, at Ohio State's a very difficult thing to get into. I, I want to say they have um, 225 members, mm-hmm. and they'll have about 450 to 500 try out every year, and you do try out every year. Mm-hmm. Our, our son did not um, make it his first year because he had spent his summer w- with with Drum Corps International and was kind of a walk-on and, and didn't make it for his freshman year. So he went back and redoubled his efforts and tried harder. And and we were very pleased to get a phone call at, at 10.30 one Tuesday night, and he said he made band. And That's amazing. And as parents, we were thrilled. And um, it's nothing at Ohio State's inexpensive. We did manage to scrape up some tickets and get to a <laughs> few games. And, 
and oh, yeah. uh, went from one game to the next. And the, the thing about that band is, is they'll have 28 trumpets and 28 trombones and 28 sousaphones mm -hmm. and 28 mellophones, but they only march 24. So there's four kids every week from each instrument that are that are so-called alternates. And uh, after the Saturday game on Monday, you can get challenged out. It's, it's kind of like wrestling. Mm -hmm. And so every week you have a chance to get knocked out for the following week. And w once Thomas got in, he never re relinquished wow. that position. And he, he, um, he got to play every week. And he made band his next year and his next year. And then he did a half a year internship to kind of move back his graduation for mm -hmm. by six months. And then he, he went on to, uh, finish out his senior year at, at college as a member of the band and having accumulated enough quality points he was selected to do this very rare unusual thing called dot the i it's when the band marches around and, mm -hmm. and uh, through a series of steps spells out the state name ohio and yeah and the last person in that formation is a sousaphone player who goes out and, and does this thing called dot the i and it was just it is uh, an incredible thing to watch it, it is and it's all over youtube and Mm -hmm. and all of their performances and, and as far as their halftime shows uh one of my favorites was their james bond show his sophomore year okay and um and they always managed to pick on that school from up north whose name we shall uh, not yeah. mention we don't say the m word and, on this podcast <laughs> we're not one of the other podcasts that's a it's not but, allowed in this studio but, but it's but it's it's a lot of fun and um and we certainly had a ball with it and um and he was so lucky and we were so blessed that he got to do the things that he did including by the time he hit his senior year he had you know never missed a practice or a step or a note and and never been knocked out of a game so he got first pick of the one home game he wanted to uh, do this so-called dot the i at mm -hmm. and in fact he's the first uh, Coleraine township resident to ever dot the i at the michigan wow. game so that is and um to those that Crazy. were around here in 2018, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they got tired of hearing about it. But when you first contacted me a few few days ago to set up this podcast, and um, we got to talking about colleges in Ohio State, and, and you, it sounds like you share my passion. I love Ohio State. I have had nothing but an amazing time there. I think I might be, I might get backlash for saying this, a bigger fan of the band than the football team. It's not the football team's fault. Uh, I just don't have that much interest in football, but I think the cool thing about Ohio State games that you don't see anywhere else is normally during halftime you see like a mass exodus to go to the bathroom or snacks or get another drink. At Ohio State games, people stay in their seats for the band performance. It is one of the big highlights of the game. Well, it's, it's not any kind of secret, but the band kids do work a lot harder than the football team does. Oh, it is and a full-time job yeah, yes, on top is. of their studies. And, and, um, it was just a, a big part of the fun of our lives. Um, our, our kids have all moved out and moved on and become mm -hmm. independent, which is what you hope for any college kid that they can get out in life on their own. And uh, now it's just my wife and I at home, and mm -hmm. and um, you know I'm still involved with the scout troop, and I'm still involved in a lot of other things, and pretty active up at the church we go to, and and uh, just enjoy being around I'm having a great time living I've, I've actually always considered myself one of the luckiest people alive my life's been full of blessings and and uh, there's been a few hard times but there was always uh, uh, people around and and uh, to walk through it with you and uh, I just really enjoy living having a great time wow. at it so
There's no greater note to end than that, and we're right at time. So thank you so much for sitting down. Is there anything else you want to plug or any programs or anything looking forward to? Well, I would just reach back out to what we started talking about, and it's all the different things that are going on in, mm -hmm. in um, you know, government overreach or government interference in, in people's lives. And to that, I would say here, here at Colerain Township with this current board of trustees, and our, our small lean administration that we have here if you have a business or a residence and you live somewhere else and you're looking for a great place to live mm -hmm. that has low government interference in your life move your house move your business come here to Colerain Township we will do whatever we can to, to, to make your life here great to give your business the best chance to flourish uh, we have available real estate we have an industrial park we're developing um, the area south of Galbraith Road down mm -hmm. to the, the City of Cincinnati Corporation line. Uh, it's a, been a distressed area for a number of years through some actions of the township. Uh, we've cleaned up an area down there and, and we're really excited later this year to welcome uh, Duke Energy in the Colerain Operations Center. I think that's a game changer for that part wow. of the township. And uh, Duke Energy is going to be bringing in 80 to 100 uh, you know, well-paying jobs. And I look for that to, to energize the area right around there. I know the guy that owns the bicycle store across the street from mm -hmm. what used to be the old Fireside Motel is, is ex more excited than anybody to, to see such a great neighbor just about ready to move in. And um, that'll be something big we have coming up. Uh, there are little daily victories. I know we just had a new restaurant uh, ribbon cutting a couple days ago. And I'm very excited to check it out. a lot of really good, exciting things going on here. And I would just end with... If, um, if there's ever anything that I can do, I'm Dan Unger. I'm actually uh, honored to be president of the Board of Trustees this year. My cell phone is 513-404-3057. Anything we can do to, to help you, we're happy to. And, and Hannah, that's so nice of you to take time to come out here to Colerain Township and talk to us yeah. and help us get our great message out. No, thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'll just say it again. Everyone I've talked to, to sat down with interviewed for, it has been amazing. I am overwhelmed with their kindness and willingness, and I will see you next week, everyone.